0: hello everyone hello friends welcome to another exciting episode of i'm horrified yay we're here we're here we're doing it 92 that sounds right 91? to me i think it's 92 what, that's, y- what, what year th- is it <laughs> <laughs> well it's the year of our lord 2015 yep and it'll always be 2015
1: to me uh, junior in college yeah 92 this is episode that was my prime that's when i think i was at my hottest and most emotionally stable so far. Wow, twenty fifteen. Yeah, good year. Good solid good year for you. Twenty seventeen. Twenty seventeen. Things started to get a little rough. <laughs> Take a little dip.
0: I like to imagine that my hottest and most stable will be like twenty twenty five.
1: I hope. I mean, I hope <laughs> that the peak of my life is not behind. Hasn't me. passed. That it will come again. <laughs> I, I. I can't. I can't know.
0: <laughs>
1: um. Yeah. But hello, hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm renovating my home. Yeah. So I just put up some of our um, I'm Horrified art pieces from when we were at PodCon. We sold some watercolors that our third secret British co-host Becky made. Um, We tweeted those out a a long time ago, but I'll probably tweet out some photos of them. Yeah, and we still have
0: a bunch. So if you really wanted one, you could like Venmo us and we would send them to you. Yeah, if you really want one, we'll figure it out. (laughs) Yeah, hit us up. But, but yeah, I can't wait to see the final, the final place, like once all your art's up and, and everything's maybe, gorgeous. Yeah, maybe
1: we'll do a little, um, studio tour. That'd be so fun! Of the podcast studio, <laughs> which we said we were going to do like a year ago. <laughs> it just
0: never happened. Because the podcast studio used to just be your bedroom,
1: so. Well, we said we'd do it when we moved into this place and we actually do have a studio. Yeah. Which we do, it's mm-hmm. just in disarray. Yeah,
0: it's just not, it's not up to snuff I just push like a
1: pile of mail and bills, <laughs> like onto the ground. So we could use the desk. You do what you must. I'm just a woman. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know what just, to tell you. I'm well, just
0: one woman. <laughs> um, but Sam, what are you going to talk about today? Um, today I'm going to talk about the affair of the diamond necklace.
1: Oh, I know. What?
0: It's such a good name. That sounds
1: so fun. <laughs> I'm excited for this one. I'm going to talk about tanning beds. That sounds uh, like a blast as well. It sounds like these go together. This is one fancy night. It's going to be really high class. You this get your evening. golden suntan. You put on your diamond necklace. And you they're have both, an affair. They're
0: both perhaps more nefarious than they seem. Mm. So there you go. Mm. Is
1: there poison in the diamonds? I wish. <laughs> well, tell me, tell me about the diamonds.
0: Just a scam. I want to know. All right, yeah. Let's so let's talk about the diamonds. Let's do it. Um. So today I was gonna talk about things that are more relevant to the panic of today. I was either gonna talk about like coronavirus or Clearview AI. Um, however, those are both kind of developing stories, so I want more to go down with them before I go and do journalism. Um, because we are, first and foremost, journalists. journalists. Yeah. Yes, I would call myself absolutely not in front of uh, your partner who is a journalist, but I would call myself a fantastic journalist. Oh, Yeah. I I, like, ethical.
1: I think of myself as a journalist in the same way that Joan Calamezzo from yes. Parks and Recreation. <laughs> exactly. She's like, I am first and foremost <laughs> a journalist. Yeah, that's me. That's us as well. Joan Calamezzo has gotten me through a lot. Uh, she's such a mood. Emotionally she really is.
0: and just in my life. Um, but yeah, so that can serve as like a teaser for future episodes. I'm going to talk about that stuff eventually, but it wasn't this week. I just yeah. wasn't feeling it this time. So instead I'm going to talk about one a famous scam from the late 1700s. Much more uh, you, Sam. Yeah, much more you. It's really in my wheelhouse. It ended well for literally not one person involved. Mm. Um but let's talk about the bad stuff that can't hurt us anymore instead of the bad stuff that can. My favorite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so here we go, the affair of the diamond necklace. Our main character for this story. Oh, let me post this warning. Um I never took French. I'm gonna butcher all these names. Oh, That'll be fun for I th- us. I thought to myself, "Oh, I'll like Google Translate them just so I say them right." I didn't do that. So
1: <laughs> I had a similar situation because later on, I'm gonna quote Coco Chanel.
0: <laughs> oh, and she's French.
1: Is she French? I think she's French. I have no idea if she's French. She might be French. Her name is Coco. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but she went to, I think it's technically pronounced Con. Oh, yes, like Cannes. the Con Festival. Cannes. Or but canned. I think it's can. <laughs> Either way, and I'm like, Big- I know education. I'm edu- It's not that I'm educated. It's like I know in my brain that it is pronounced con. Yeah, but I don't. I don't want to say that because then I feel like I sound like I an asshole. Right? It's so hard. So. We'll see what I do. We'll
0: see. And we'll see how I do Take, right now. Place your bets now, everyone. <laughs> if we'll... you're French, sorry. <laughs> um, poor Becky's going to call us. Our friend Becky is like fluent in French. Also speaks French. Yeah. She's going to hit us up and be like, guys, what the fuck? You sound like ignorant idiots. But, so our main character you know? for this story is a young woman and her name is Jean de Valois Saint-Rémy. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> Ooh. That was pretty good. Thank you. I just said it confidently. So Jeanne was born on July twenty second, seventeen fifty six. She is a cancer, isn't that interesting? Fun. Not many cancer scam artists. But she's we got one. Fuck some shit up, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. Um, she's born in northeastern France. Um, to a very poor family, uh, Jean's mother, her name is Marie Jocelle, and she's a debauched court servant girl. Wow. And her father, Jacques de Valois de Saint-Remy. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> of course he is.
0: <laughs> was a direct male-line descendant of Count Henri de Saint-Remy, um, who is an illegitimate son of King Henry II and Nicole de Savigny, um, so he has royal Valois blood. I love everything that's happened so far. I know. Despite that royal blood, however, Jacques is a known drunkard um, and just like a nightmare person in the town. That happens. So Jean and her two siblings are very neglected. They go barefoot. They tend to cows. They like beg for food. They really don't have like a stable childhood growing up. Mm. And then their Valois ancestry is confirmed by genealogists at Versailles. What year is this again? Can you remind me? Late 1700s. Late 1700s. Okay. She's, I think, born, like, mid-1700s, but our story will take place a little later. Um, And so once Versailles is like, oh, wow, no, you really are descended from, like, Valois ancestry, um, Jacques is granted a yearly stipend of a thousand pounds and a post in a military academy, which, like, he fritters away, but it's something. And then, um, Jean and her sister are going to a boarding school, and they're giving a stipend of 900 pounds. Good! So, yeah. So, she gets educated. She grows up a little bit. She's really supposed to become a nun, but she's like, I'm not interested in that. (laughs) No, (laughs) thank you. So, she moves back to her hometown, and she marries a man named Marc-Antoine Nicolas de Lamotte. (laughs) That's, that's not as bad! Like, you don't sound stupid. I'm doing my best. I'm sure to a
1: French person you sound
0: like, like a moron yeah
1: but to me it that sounds right there you go i know who you're trying to impress more than me <laughs> isn't that the truth yeah right Allison?
0: whose opinion matters more than mine honestly no one's Thank so <laughs> honestly um so uh and she uh, the, like wikipedia and all the articles refer to him just as nicholas going forward so mm-hmm. i'm gonna do that too i'm okay. not gonna consistently call him mark antoine nicholas nicky <laughs> nick <laughs> just nick so he also has some, like, dubious royal connection, I think even less than she does, which is as, like, the grandchild of, like, a bastard of, like... She's got a lot of yeah. little arrows. But she's like, she's like, I'm technically a Valois. And he's like, I got something too. I don't know. And so the two begin, begin using the title, um, the Comte and Comtesse de la Motte Valois. Um, even though they have, like, no reason they should be using that title. Yeah. Uh, no one stops them. So but that's... So they're still, like... <laughs> Yeah. You. <laughs> yeah. But so they're basically like, we are a count and a countess, uh, and that's just us. And everyone's like, fine. I don't know. I'm not going to put in the effort to... Seems like they're really going for it. <laughs> yeah, so. they're just leaning in. Uh, and they don't really want to work. So Jean decides to ask the crown for a larger pension, which she feels is her right due to the couple, due to like the couple drops of noble blood that she does have. So she thinks, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to Marie Antoinette. Because she's a queen and a woman, and she's going to have, like, more pity and understanding for me than if I just, like, went to the king or, like, the royal pensioner. She knows what it's like to not want to work. Yeah, amen. Um, And at the time, any ordinary citizen who was, like, dressed in suitable attire could actually enter the palace and its gardens to, like, observe the royal family. So, like, it kind of was possible to get close to Marie Antoinette. Hmm. But nevertheless, Marie Antoinette has heard about um, Jean before and is just, like, not actually good. No. I have no need to meet this woman. We're, we're set. Um, Jean is offended, and she sticks around Versailles, just kind of, like, being peripheral to royalty and telling people that she's a Comtesse. Looking haughtily at people. Yeah. And she takes a lover whose name is uh, Rito de Valais, I think. And he is, according to Wikipedia, quote, a common gigolo. Um, <laughs> and also her husband, Nicholas's fellow officer in the Gendarmerie, which is, like, part of the army. Um, and Nicholas definitely knows about him, and seems like mostly fine with it. So either like they're a thruple or they've opened their marriage. Who knows? But it seems like it's kind of a fine arrangement. With yeah, all they're of them. French. Who cares? Yeah. So now we're going to pause the story and move back in time before Marie Antoinette was queen to the reign of her father-in-law, Louis the Fifteenth. Louis has a very famous official mistress named Madame Du Barry. Oh yeah, um, I very who that famous. Is. Who he loves, and so in 1772. Louis decides to make Madame du Barry a special gift, um, which is a diamond necklace at the estimated cost of 2 million livres, which is about 14 million dollars in modern currency. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot for a necklace. Yeah. Um, and he requested Parisian jewelers Charles Auguste Beaumer and Paul Bassange uh, to create the diamond necklace that would surpass all others in grandeur. So it's described as a row of 17 glorious diamonds as large as filberts, which are hazelnuts. Oh, fuck. A three-wreathed festoon and pendants enough, simple pear-shaped multi-star and clustering amorphous encircle it around a very queen of diamonds. And then there's a picture of what it would have looked like. So Holy shit. it to Allie. It's huge. It's ginormous. And it is. It's like one strand that goes right around your neck. All diamonds, then like kind of circly boys of diamonds with pendants of diamonds hanging off them, then like a longer diamond string so like, with diamond tassels. <laughs> it's a wild. I
1: necklace. feel like the second somebody strapped that on me, I'd just be like, Hoo! and like go straight to the to the ground. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So it takes the jewelers literally years and a great amount of money to amass they these diamonds. They have to diamonds. go get hazelnut diamonds. Yeah, you don't just have those lying around. No. But in the meantime, Louis XV dies of smallpox, mm. and his grandson and successor, who is Marie Antoinette's husband, um, banishes Dubery from court. He's, just, he's just, yes. just like, I'm not interested in having you around. So now the jewelers are like, well, fuck, because they've built the most expensive necklace ever, but no one but a king could ever afford it. But then they're like, wait, there is this new king, and his wife, Marie Antoinette, loves shiny things. She does, yeah. So she is for sure going to want this necklace. So they go to court and Marie Antoinette is like, I am actually good. <laughs> for the first time. She's like, I'm all set. Um, She initially apparently says we have more need of 74s than of necklaces and 74s are like uh, warships. So she was trying to say like, why would I spend $15 million on this? That's good. Right? Um, and others say that like, she doesn't want it because it was originally made for Madame DuBery and Marie Antoinette hated her. Yep. Or just the idea of like wearing something that was meant for a mistress is like... But you know what I mean. There's, like, plenty of reasons Too saucy for her. Yeah, Marie didn't want the necklace. The jewelers then try to place the necklace outside of France. That doesn't work. And then they again attempt to sell it to Marie Antoinette after the birth of her son, Louis Joseph, in 1781. And the queen again is like, listen, I'm not going to buy this necklace I don't you. want your slut necklace. Like, I just... I don't know what to say. I'm not going to buy it. And the jewelers are like, well, fuck me. Cutting back to our friend Jean. So... She's hanging out in Versailles, pretending to be nobler than she really is and kind of conning just to get by. And then one day she meets Cardinal de Rohan, who comes from a very, like, noble family and is quite powerful as a cardinal in his own right. They become very close, wink, um, (laughs) and the cardinal confides in her that there's one major roadblock stopping his rise to power. Marie Antoinette hates him. Oh no. Um, which feels like one of those quick clickbait titles, like, doctors hate her, like, Marie Antoinette hates him. Yep. Like, the yep. secrets to Carl de Rohan's whatever. So, Marie Antoinette hates him because he spread rumors about her mother, like, and was like, God, the Holy Roman Empress Maria Theresa is, like, a bitch. And Marie Antoinette was like, fuck off forever i heard she was kind of a bitch yeah but you still can't say that about my mom you know you can't <laughs> like you even can't. if my mom's a bitch like i can say that your mom's a sweet sweet woman and, yeah jill's the most wonderful woman jill would never but if she was horrible yeah i still wouldn't say anything you couldn't i could you could not yeah it's cool. comforting to me that she's a very nice lady no 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 she's wonderful <laughs> don't get me wrong she's incredible but um, but yeah. So he had basically been spreading rumors about Marie Antoinette's mom, about like their relationship when Marie Antoinette was still the Dauphine, so she was like the princess, mm-hmm. and she couldn't do anything about it because he came from this very powerful family. But She's once, like <laughs> when I'm
1: fucking queen, yeah, exactly, I'm gonna
0: blow your spot up so hard, exactly. So once she becomes queen, like he had very much been expecting to like just keep growing like above cardinal to become like a minister of France, mm-hmm. and she was like. That's just never going to happen. It's just never going to happen. You fucked that for yourself. So sorry. You my mom in a mean way. Yeah. And I know that she's difficult, but that's between her and me. She's my mom. Exactly. Exactly. So the Cardinal, however, is just like, it's so unfair that Marie Antoinette is stopping me from rising in the ranks when like, all I did was insult her mom. Um, (laughs) Who hasn't? (laughs) And so Jean sees her opening and she's like, Cardinal, what a small world. I am actually really great friends with Marie Antoinette. That's not true. And if you write a letter to her apologizing, like, I'll make sure I give it to her and I'll put in a good word for you. And hopefully she'll forgive you and she'll let you start, like, advancing in your job again. And and the Cardinal's like, that would be amazing. So he writes this letter and he gives it to Jean. And the next day she comes back with a reply from Marie Antoinette, totally forgiving him and, like, maybe flirting a little. And the Cardinal's like, this is so crazy, but, like, it makes sense because I'm amazing. Wait. So it makes sense that she wants my dick, but, wow, I just wasn't expecting it. Wow. Man. Wait. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like... <laughs> I feel like trouble's afoot. Perhaps um, those letters are not actually going yeah, to Marie Antoinette. I thought maybe. Perhaps they are going to Jean's boyfriend, Roteau, who is a master forger. Wow. And is just, like, forging letters where do people find in every movie they're like oh I've
1: got a guy for this
0: I'm like (laughs) where do you find like a master forger I would love it that's a passion of mine I would love to be somebody's master forger oh yeah wouldn't that be a great job for me that would be
1: really good for you I think that I would really fit you're wearing like tiny spectacles in a windowless closet office exactly surrounded by like parchment yeah tea staining copy paper. Yes.
0: I'd also love to be like a hacker. Like someone's like I need access to the NSA's secret database and they're like, I know somebody and they open like the windowless room and it's like me at my little laptop. Yeah, and
1: you're like click click like done. Yeah. Exactly. We're in. We're in. Yeah. That that's what we fantasize about like when we're like
0: on the treadmill at the gym or yeah. something, <laughs> like being that cool. It keeps the adrenaline up. Exactly. Um but so begins the correspondence quotes <laughs> Between Cardinal de Rohan and, quotes, Marie Antoinette. And he's just like, wow, Marie Antoinette <laughs> writes me back so yeah. fast. Like, the same day. That's it's crazy. so funny. They're joking, they're talking, they're confiding in each other, and of course, all of these letters are getting carried through Jean. So, finally, the Cardinal's like, oh my god, Jean, Marie Antoinette and I are in love. <laughs> and you... Must arrange a secret meeting between us. This is crazy. So I can express my what's her, to her purpose?
1: Is she just like fucking with him? Like I totally respect that if she's just like <laughs> honestly, this is hysterical. Honestly, and she and her other boyfriend yes. are laughing
0: about this. I think that she's like I don't know what I'm gonna do with him.
1: But this could be useful. It's gonna come in handy.
0: Yeah. She's just thinking to herself like if I have a cardinal under my thumb. Like she's long gaming so long she doesn't even know. Where yeah. it's going. She's like I don't know where this is going. I but really I know, love that. I know it's gonna it's gonna come in handy. Yeah. So he's like, I have to meet with Marie Antoinette. And Jean is like, of course you do. Yes, I can take <laughs> care of this. And so in August of 1784, in the gardens of the Palace of Versailles, which again are public, um, the cardinal meets with a woman he believes to be Marie Antoinette. Um, it is, in fact, a prostitute. Her name is uh, Nicole Le Doliva. de Oliva. Um, who Jean had hired because of her famous resemblance to the queen. Like, everyone knows this prostitute.
1: That's so funny. Who just,
0: like, kind of looks a lot like Marie Antoinette. And people are just like, isn't that funny? Do you think people would rather a say sex worker? Oh, you're probably right. Yep. Just wanted to catch it. No, thank you. <laughs> you. I appreciate it. Um, I just, this was like one of those things where you copy-paste. Yes, yeah, yep, absolutely. Like, oh. I was like, I didn't think about it either. Yeah. Um, the cardinal meets with a woman he believes to be Marie Antoinette. The woman, of course, is not Marie Antoinette. Um, she is a sex worker. Her name is Nicole Leguay de Oliva, who is famous for her resemblance to the queen. Oh uh,
1: well, because I guess yeah, he's never seen he's her. Never, never seen photos her. Don't exist. Yeah, he's
0: seen maybe paintings, but, but like that's tr-
1: I wouldn't even think about that. Like anyone could walk up and be yeah. like, I mean, I'm Marie Antoinette, and you'd be like, if you're wearing a wig, I'm assuming
0: that's true. Yeah, as long as you look like enough like the portraits, it's like yeah. I mean, how like if
1: you're that poor, like would you even where would you see a portrait? Yeah,
0: fair enough. Or newspapers? He, Cardinal de. Rohan is, like, a pretty powerful Okay, man. so he so would he at least would, have seen portraits. Yeah. He maybe has seen her, like, distantly from across a room. You yeah, know what I mean? like, Not I don't even think, boss. like, royalty's
1: on money yet. Like, it's still, like, clanky yeah. gold coins and exactly. stuff. I am so bad at history, <laughs> but, you know.
0: And so, um, Rohan is like, it's so nice to see you, Marie. And Nicole is like, uh-huh. And so she, like, he, like, gives her a rose and she's like, oh, like I forgive all of our past disagreements, which is like exactly what Jean told her to say. And Rohan's just like, man, like we're in love. This is crazy. Crazy. So Jean knows that she is just totally in at this point. And she starts taking advantage of the cardinal's belief in her by borrowing large sums of money from him, telling him that they're for the queen's charity work. So it's like, the, queen, the queen would so appreciate if you would give me a hundred pounds right now or a hundred livres, whatever. Yeah. And the cardinal's like, of course I will. And then Jean's like, Let's go, husband and boyfriend. We're going to dinner. Oh my (laughs) god. Yeah, no, it comes in handy. And so with all of this money, Jean is able to make her way in respectable society because all of a sudden she like has nicer dresses and has like a better apartment. Well, yeah, I guess
1: when nobody knows anything, if you show up with a nice dress, they're like, she could be anyone. She
0: could be the Duchess of Brattlesburg. Like it doesn't matter. Who knows? And then Jean hears about this two million livre necklace that only marie antoinette could purchase and the wheels in her head start to turn in and so on the 21st of january 1785 jean tells the cardinal that marie antoinette wants to buy this necklace but she doesn't want to purchase it publicly because it's such a time of need and so she thinks it would be like a bad publicity to buy it publicly so the queen wants him to act as a secret intermediary and the cardinal's like, oh, my Marie, of course she does. Yeah. I'm happy to do this. My
1: saucy manx <laughs> yep.
0: wants her shiny stuff and Rohan will answer. Yeah, <laughs> Rohan absolutely answers. Um, And so he goes to the jewelers and negotiates the purchase of the necklace for two million libras um, to be paid in installments. So he... He has that? He has that much money? He has the first installment. So he's like, the rest is going to come from the queen, obviously. Right. But I can do the down payment. Cause I am rich and I do love her, so wow. yeah. And they just give it to him. Yeah, cause well, cause they have. He's like, here are letters from the queen in the queen's handwriting from a master forger from a master forger. Um, and so he's like, the queen's absolutely going to come through with the rest, but just give me the necklace now. The jewelers are like, yeah, sounds good. Absolutely, we've been fucking trying to get rid of this necklace. We've been wanting to sell yeah, it to take Marie it, Antoinette. For God's sake. Please take it. Do
1: they have, like, a, a like a dictionary with all, like, the handwriting and things? You know what? I'm not going to get into this. I'm just, like, so confused about how anything logistical works
0: in the past. It must have been hard. And so Rohan takes the necklace to Jean's house, where a man, who Rohan believes to be the valet of the queen, comes to fetch it. The man is, of course, not the valet of the queen, but instead Jean's lover, Retu de Villet. Yes! Uh, and Ritou... this is a This is a con. <laughs> it really is. He's, like, dressed up. Um, and he, like I said, has been the one forging all of these letters. And he's done a great job. But just notably, he either doesn't know or doesn't remember that French royals only sign their given names. They don't sign, like, Maria Regina. Like, it would just be, like, Marie. Mm-hmm. And so, like, just keep that in mind that he has made this fuck up. <laughs> okay. Okay. And so, Jean, her lover, and her husband receive the necklace the gems are immediately all picked apart and sold on the black market in Paris and in London. Wow. So they make just like, what a payday. I mean, yeah. taking apart this necklace with diamonds the size of hazelnuts and fucking just selling them off one by one. Crazy. Months pass. <laughs> Literally, they get away with it for a long time. And the jewelers are just like, hey, we never received the full payment on the ginormous necklace we sold to Marie Antoinette. That's a little spooky because we don't have a lot of money because we spent it all on the diamonds. Yeah, <laughs> this we necklace. need the money for the diamonds. So as of ha- hazelnuts, remember? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so they ask the cardinal and he's just like, I mean, the queen told me she wanted it. So you're, you know, your business is with her. I have these letters from the queen. And so they go to the king and Queen and they're like, hi, like we are two humble jewelers. Like we've talked before. Um, when are you going to pay us for that giant necklace we sold you? Like at court in front of everybody. They say this. And the royals are like, what oh, necklace? And the jewelers are like, oh, boy, the, the giant one that we made for Madame du Barry. And Marie is like, the one I refused to buy from you multiple times. And the jewelers are like, yeah. Yes. That one. That's the one. You got it. <laughs> and Marie is like, why would you think I wanted that? And they're like, oh, well, the Cardinal de Rohan told us that you wanted it. And, like, literally the whole room cracks up, and they're like, everyone knows Marie Antoinette hates the Cardinal de Rohan. Oh, no. Like, why the fuck would she ask him to buy the necklace that she's publicly said she doesn't want multiple times? What
1: I would like is if, at that moment, Cardinal de Rohan is, like, approaching court holding, like, a big bouquet of daisies. (laughs) And then he hears this, and he's like, ooh, and, like, turns around and runs into the rain.
0: Well, so, they call on the Cardinal. I would. I would. And, and he's he, like, obviously my girlfriend wants to speak to me. Yeah, He's honestly feeling a little awkward because he's like, oh man, like I'm going to have to be in front of the king when like, I know that Marie is in love with me. So like, that's going to be a little awkward, but you know, you do what you can. And they're like, uh, why, were, why did you get this necklace from these jewelers? And you said it was for Marie Antoinette. And like, I don't want it. And I didn't get it. And I don't want it. Yeah. And he's like, well, Mike, ugh, this is embarrassing. Like, I don't want to do this in front of your husband, but like. You wrote me all these letters saying that you wanted it. And they're like, can you fucking show me the letters? And he's like, yeah, of course. I, I keep them with me always. I love you. Um, and they look at it and they're like, you are from one of the biggest families in France. You have been raised a noble. And you didn't fucking recognize the queens and kings in France don't sign their fucking names like this? And he's like, oh, never s- I never said I was smart. Fuck. I just said that I loved you. <laughs> yeah. That's gonna be in my wedding vest. Yeah.
1: I never said I was a smart woman. But I will say that I loved you. <laughs> I did say
0: that I loved you. Um, so the king is like so pissed because he's like, You're a cardinal. Like, how are you this stupid? Yeah. He's like, Not even mad about like the cheating allegations. He's just like, What the fuck? Yeah. Where did this come from? And so Rohan um, is taken to the Bastille. He quickly turns on Jean and is like, "Well, your lady told me that you wanted this." And Marie's like, Ooh. "What lady?" <laughs> yeah. And where so- are you finding all these people? <laughs> Rohan doesn't have time to burn his correspondences. Jean does because she's not arrested until three days later, so she burns yeah. everything. She's I like, feel like Never when happened. she got this news, she was like halfway through like a huge
1: cake <laughs> yeah. in her mouth, and then she just like spat it out and like went to burn a bunch. She of was stuff. like,
0: "Burn it all, guys!" Yep. Um, so the police also arrest, um, the sex worker that had kind of been portraying Marie Antoinette. None this, of this is her fault. This, none of it's her she fault. She's like, I did a job. And, um, Roteau de Valais, and he confesses that he's the one who wrote the letters. And so the, it becomes this giant scandal because it's a cardinal who's like been arrested. So the Pope is like, well, I should be taking care of this. And the Royals are like, no, he fucked us over. Like, we're mm-hmm. going to do the trial. And so it's, like, it's, like, an international scandal because this car is wow. involved. Um, and so everyone ends up <laughs> going to jail pretty much. Not the sex worker, luckily. She's found, like, not guilty. There's, like, two other people who kind of get implicated and it's, like, no, they're just stupid. I think maybe even Rohan is, like, ultimately doesn't suffer much. What about Jeanne? Like, well, I'm getting to She's Jean. She's in prison? Okay. Yeah. So, um, Jean, she was known as Jean de Lamotte because that was her husband's name. Okay. Is condemned to whipping a branding with a V for velouse, which means I guess thief, on each shoulder and sentenced to life imprisonment at the prison at Salpetriere. Salpetriere. There's so many accent marks. Salpetriere. That'd be my guess. Maybe. So she's sentenced, but then by June of the following year, she escapes from prison disguised as a boy. Nice. What a move. Also, if they're going to throw you in prison for life, why
1: would they also brand you? I feel like they're like, all right, we'll let you out, but we're also going to brand you. Mm.
0: Come on. Like, if you're in prison for life, just like, you're when in prison. You, when you fuck with Marie Antoinette, I mean, she's like, put her yeah, in Yeah, that's true. And so, um, the, uh, Valet is banished, Valet is banished. Her husband is tried in abstantia and condemned to be a galley slave, but I don't know if he ever actually does that or if he runs away. I would run away. Um, And so the interesting thing I find about this trial is that, again, it was this huge thing and it actually turned a lot of the public against Marie Antoinette.
1: Really? Yes,
0: because she was kind of like, I'm the victim in all this. Like, I had no fucking idea any of this was happening. But a lot of people who don't have a good opinion of Marie Antoinette are like, she orchestrated this. Because she she did want the necklace and then it went south. Slash because she hated Cardinal de Rohan and wanted to fuck Mm. his shit up. So really the queen is like so conniving and so duplicitous and all this stuff. And like a lot of people trace back her fall in the later revolution, like to this moment. Like people say, when you talk about the fall of like the French empire, it should start with this problem because this is what started to turn people really against Marie Antoinette. I think it is also, like,
1: very symbolic, mm-hmm. like, the the diamond necklace being such a, like, all the descriptions of it yeah. and the sizes of it and the, you know, like, I feel like that having anything to do with Marie Antoinette when she already
0: has mm-hmm. a reputation for being a spendthrift. Exactly. Is no good. Exactly. And so it just is, like, so crazy to me that, like, the public imagination just went crazy on this and, like, they mm-hmm. really did. They were, like... It was like a conspiracy theory. It was like, wow. no, 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 Marie Antoinette did know. It was a false flag. Like they literally She's wearing the diamond necklace right now. <laughs> yeah, just under her outfit. Bathing in champagne. And so our girl Jean takes refuge in London. Um, in 1789, she published... <laughs> like a book that libeled Queen Marie Antoinette. Wow, uh, which is just bold to just like keep doing it. Um, but then, unfortunately, she later dies in London as a result of injuries sustained after falling from her hotel room window while hiding from debt collectors. So <sighs> I sounds mean, like that's the way she would want, would have wanted to live go. live fast, die young. Yeah. <laughs> bad girls do it well. Jean de Lamotte does it well. Um, and she dies, um, August 1791, two years before Marie Antoinette, who went to the guillotine in 1793. Wow. So that is the affair of the diamond necklace. A baller. Which was bad for everybody involved. No one left that feeling good. Yeah, but John kind of just, like, (laughs)
1: bounced pretty much.
0: But then she died falling out a window, hiding from dead collectors. Yeah, but it seems like that was going to happen either way. (laughs) That's fair. That's Um, fair. That was was fab. Yeah. Love that. So that's that story, you guys. And the moral is, I guess, don't, don't. Buy your own diamond necklaces. Yeah. Nobody needs diamonds that big. And we already did an episode about how diamonds are functionally worthless. Amen. So that. So buy a ruby necklace, damn it. Yeah. But yeah, so that's the affair of the diamond necklace. That's really fun. Thank you so so much. That's so fun and saucy. I love a saucy story. But let's talk about something else. A little saucy. Because I guess you have to be naked in them. Something you think is glamorous, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah. That's the segue.
1: So so we're talking about tanning beds Mm -hmm. or indoor tanning. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm going to usually say tanning beds. Um, and this is an obvious candidate for me as the as the palest paley girl out there. <laughs> you're pretty pale too, but you have some olive tones at least. Yeah. I do tan. It is possible yeah. for me you to tan. You have Croatian blood. Yeah, You're Croatian in, in ancestry. A gorgeous
0: Mediterranean. <laughs> Just imagine me, like,
1: on the beach. She's <laughs> still a white person, but... No, yeah. You, your skin tans in the sun naturally, mine doesn't.
0: Yeah. I still burn, but it will fade to a tan. It fades to a beautiful tan. <laughs> Whereas Allie will burn and then it fades
1: right back to being the color of the moon. Yeah, you have, like, a golden glow in the summertime like you you look like thank you so much like very tan in a very natural way imagine like Um, the
0: goddess Aphrodite you guys that's what I look like
1: yes whatever that I would say whatever
0: that image is for you that's exactly what I look like exactly well
1: for me (laughs) I think of Aphrodite as just you yeah yep it's not, like, you look like Aphrodite. It's, like, Aphrodite
0: looks just like Sam. Looks, That's crazy. She looks like me. Wouldn't that be crazy if I was actually the goddess Aphrodite and I had been living amongst mortals and this is the form I chose? That would be... I mean, you're a beautiful form, but <laughs> I would just much. be like... But I'm a big dweeb.
1: I have a nice boyfriend and our friends have nice boyfriends, so maybe you just all shot us with, like, love arrows. There and are. We all get to have nice lives. Boom, boom, boom. That sounds great. You're welcome. We still get to hang out. Yeah. No big deal. <laughs> um, But anywho, yes, we're white if you forgot... Yeah. That's still the thing. Um, but for me specifically, because I am also vitamin D deficient. Nice. <laughs> I'm afraid of the regular sun. So a tanning bed is like a nightmare. And there's also no a go. scene in, do you remember the Final Destination movies? Oh, and
0: someone like dies in one, right? Yeah,
1: there's this scene where two girls get trapped in tanning beds and then like are burned alive. Mm-hmm. So even if I wasn't afraid of the sun, I would still never get in a tanning bed because I saw that movie. hmm so why are tanning beds bad? Are they even bad? Yeah. Yeah, they are. I thought they were. Um, <laughs> they're, but they're bad for a couple of reasons. Okay. And maybe not in the way that you think. So you can shut off the podcast now if that's you just wanted an answer. That's yeah. fine. But the we're answer is yes. First, as always, gonna get historical up in this. Be woo. Um. So tanning beds, much like all bad things, were invented by white people. Mm-hmm. Some might say the whitest people, because in 1890, a Danish physician named Niels Finsen Ooh. created something called a carbon arc lamp. He mm-hmm. called it the Finsen lamp, obviously. Nice. Um. And through the magic of science. This lamp emitted UV, which means ultraviolet, mm-hmm. rays um, for skin therapy. I don't know who needed that. <laughs> we were going to try but it. But somebody needed it.
0: It's the same reason the vibrator was invented. Was just yeah. like, this is a medical treatment.
1: Yeah, let's figure it out. And they're like, oh, it doesn't work for that, but it works for someone yeah, else. There's something else it's really good so for. So that's basically exactly what happened here. Um, but it helped a bunch of people, and he got the Nobel Prize in 1903. Good. So everyone was like, good job, Niels. You're killing it. I love you, Nails. So as we know... In history, um, like, history, history, mm-hmm. poor people, blah, So, as we know, in, um, like, history, history, where poor people farmed and rich people sat in ivory bathtubs all day. Absolutely. Pale skin was in. Yes. People would powder their face or, like, cake it in lead, mm-hmm. whatever they had to do to get that rich, bitch, mm-hmm. cholera-stricken look. Bird poop. Bird poop. Yep. Um, however, eventually, the Industrial Revolution, and I never thought about this, ushered the poor classes indoors into windowless tenements. Mm. So during that kind of social shift, pale skin began to be seen as a sign of poverty and ill health. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? I never thought about it because before laborers... Mm -hmm. We're laboring in the sun. Yes. Yeah, so the
0: the tan people were the Yeah, poor
1: and it's crazy how much people hate poor people, right? Yeah. It's just like anytime they're doing anything, everyone's like, oh we can't blah, 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 that's yeah. bad.
0: It's the same with I've heard that about like um like women's figures too. Like it used to be like a more like full yeah. figure was in because it showed that you like didn't have to be working. You could just like recover. You could be eating
1: tiny cakes all day. Yeah. And when I eat tiny cakes all day, <laughs> you know it's still fine. <laughs> it's still okay. Um, but okay. Oh, here's my Coco Chanel quote. So in 20- 1923, Coco Chanel went to I'm just gonna say con. I'm yeah, feeling fancy. I think that's right. And returned with a suntan and stated, a golden tan is the index of chic. Ooh. I imagine no one was interviewing her. Yeah. She just she said, just said, that, said that, that on the street yeah. and her like, you know, like young gay assistant was like, That's amazing. I gotta get this <laughs> to the newspapers. But she was obviously again talking about white people having a tan, not yep. like you know people of color really need to like yeah. <laughs> you know rise up higher in the ranks of society. She meant like white people with tans, a okay. So people ran with the tan. Um, <laughs> Great rhyme. Yeah, yeah no. Um, so interestingly enough, doctors hooked into this fad as well. Crazy, right? Mm. Doctors shouldn't do that. No, um, it's alarming. But when they I did. Doctor and fad. I'm like, oh no, no good, no good. Um, many physicians started recommending sunny holidays and sun lamps for their antiseptic properties. That's nonsense. <laughs> don't even know what that means. <laughs> like you know, it's gonna like heal you or like, like release toxins or what are they all these toxins? Everyone, I don't know. I just talked about goop. Everybody relax about your toxins. Like I don't know what to say. <laughs> it's probably fine. Um, but yeah, doctors recommended this treatment for things like diabetes, pneumonia, constipation, and depression. One of those things was probably helped by sunlight. Yeah. Um. But the rest of the people were like, "Great! Now I have diabetes and also a sunburn." I don't know what to, I don't know what to say. I can't poop, and I also can't yeah. go outside again. <laughs> Eventually, the contraptions that doctors handed out for these things were made into home devices. Um. So you could just keep a sun lamp in your living room or wherever you keep your ironing board, and like tan it up anytime, or like give yourself sun treatments for health purposes. However, this led to people severely burning themselves. Oh no. Due to the harsh UVB rays, which yeah. I'll explain kind of the different types. Basically there's type A and type B and also type C. Um, and like type A is kind of fine. Type C is like not long enough of a wavelength to reach us. And type B stands for burn all your skin off. Love so it. So type B is a little harsh. So then sometime around the mid-century... A German man named Friedrich Wolf Mm -hmm. started using sun lamps on athletes, and his devices caught on for vanity use. And he um, messed with the devices to alter the levels of UVB and UVA and make it more UVA heavy Mm -hmm. um, and decrease the UVB so there wasn't as much burning. That's good. That's (laughs) good. Which is helpful. He's also the first person to create an actual tanning bed. Interesting. um, That you could lie in. And this led to the first tanning salon in 1977 in Berlin. And then that fad caught on through the 70s into the 80s and beyond. Um, because again, like in the 70s and 60s, like tanning socially, even on the beach, mm-hmm. like that was becoming more and more and more of a thing. Yes. So today in the US, between 10 and 30 million people use tanning beds annually. And that's just in the US. Mm-hmm. So That's what, what is a tanning bed?
0: What happens? How does it What's work? What's happening in there?
1: Yes. <laughs> um, I imagine it's just a lamp. You just put a bunch of lamps on. Yeah. And it heats your skin up. I know you wear those silly little,
0: um, things over the your The little eyes. things,
1: yeah. And you wear, like, specific lotion. Um, I'm not gonna get, like, too much into, like, how you tan, because <laughs> I don't care. Um, but it, what, what it's doing is that the tanning rays, or the rays of light, mm-hmm. act more or less like the sun in a lot of ways. So I'll tell you what happens with the sun. The sun outputs ultraviolet radiation, and there are UVA, UVB, and UVC rays, like I said. So they're all different lengths. UVA is the longest. UVC is the shortest. And like I said, UVA is what... So how do I put this? UVA is the ray that penetrates your skin and changes its color. Okay. UVB... Often causes burning. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then UVC is something else, but it doesn't reach us, so it doesn't matter. Um, And and tanning beds emit the same, not all three, kind of all three, little to no UVC, but the same kind of um, levels of UVA and UVB. So it's a lot of UVA and, like, so natural sunlight is 95% UVA and 5% UVB on our skin. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's mimicked in tanning beds however um no I'm not gonna get there yet okay so that's good right well it's a little different I'll I'll get into that in a minute oh no um but just talking about the sun um UV radiation with all those rays in it is not awesome for our health for a couple of reasons and and fine for a couple of reasons so it can cause skin cancer and other adverse health effects, um, because it is technically a carcinogen, so it causes wrinkles, things like that. But um, it, it is also a source of vitamin D, and it can trigger endorphins. So there's there's good things and bad things about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, it's just like common sun sense. If you're outside in the sun, it's lovely and nice for a little while, and it's beneficial as long as you're not like baking yourself all day long with no protection, no water, yeah. no sunscreen. That's not good.
0: Everything in moderation. So now getting
1: to actual tanning beds and how they're different. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're similar in that they emit a little UVB and a lot of UVA, like I said, and no UVC. But while the... What's, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, while the percentages are the same, the intensity is different. Interesting. The UVB... Blah, 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 the um, UV rays in a tanning bed are three times ish as intense as that from the oh, sun. Wow. So the UVA rays are like three times more intense and the UVB is about the same, maybe a little bit higher mm-hmm. um, But everyone thought that was fine because everyone thought that UVA rays were totally harmless. Yes the UVB So that's the way to get to tan about. quick. You don't have to lie in a tanning bed for hours, but the UVB rays are the same so it's the same as lying in the sun. so that was the logic behind it. That follows. Um,
0: that tracks for me.
1: Well, unfortunately, now we know that they both cause cancer. Oh, no. There's <laughs> adverse effects for both UVA and UVB rays. No. So that's no good. Yes. Um, and in a 2012 study done on the link between tanning beds and melanoma, melanoma being the deadliest form of skin cancer and the primary cause of most skin cancer skin cancer deaths, mm-hmm. um, found that there was a 20% increase in prevalence of skin cancer, um, specifically melanoma, among those who had ever used a tanning bed, and an insane 59% increase in prevalence among those who had used a tanning bed before the age of 35. Wow. So anyone who had used a tanning bed ever before the age of 35 had a 59% more likely chance of having melanoma. That's crazy. Which is very serious. Yeah. Um, so the American Cancer Society had this to say on the topic. So they said, according to CDC research, indoor tanning is especially popular among young women and teenage girls. One big reason is they believe they look more attractive and healthy Healthy with a tan. Ugh. Many teens and their parents think getting a tan indoors is safer than tanning in the sun, but UV rays damage skin no matter where they come from. The most, danger, the, the most dangerous types of UV rays can actually change the DNA cells, which is what experts believe cause most cancers. Weaker UV rays, though less likely to cause cancer, are linked to long-term skin damage, including wrinkles and changes in texture. Yikes. So... It's bad. Yeah. The sun is bad, too. Yes. But this is worse. Yes. Um, and we kind of knew that. Yes. Right? Tanning beds are bad for our health. Well, Sam, so are a lot of things. Yeah. So are cheeseburgers and delicious puffs of unfiltered cigarettes. Yes. Who cares? No big deal, right? Well, I've got a separate reason why tanning beds are dumb and we don't need them. And it's, it's a different reason. It's a different, it's a different thought train, but we're all going to get there together. let's ask ourselves quickly. Why are white people or lighter skinned people so obsessed with tanning their skin? Why do we tan our skin?
0: We tan our skin because we think we look better with a tan. Yeah. And why? We don't know. We don't.
1: (laughs) We're both looking at each other like we feel like we kind of know. Yeah. But... We don't really know what the answer to that is. No, because like, Coco we don't in- Chanel said at that time. We don't investigate why. We're yeah. just like, we just look better. You look better when you're tan. You look skinnier or mm-hmm. you look better, healthier. Yeah. All that stuff. Any of it. Um, So let's investigate this obsession with white people becoming darker, mm-hmm. whatever that means. Um, we're going to investigate it through a wonderful 2016 Huffington Post article by Ziba Blay um, concerning, uh, specifically she was reacting to a controversy surrounding a Swedish company selling... Self-tanners. So not even tanning beds. We're yeah. just talking about tanning your skin. Yeah. Um, and these self-tanners had names like dark chocolate and caramel and mm. ash onyx, like for skin tones. Mm. For Swedish people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and some people were getting upset about that. And some people were like, what's the big deal? Mm-hmm. So um, and those are probably the Swedish people who were saying that was my <laughs> guess. Um, but this author puts it better than I can. So I just wanted to read a a pretty lengthy section of, of her article because I, I just feel like she, I was like going to explain it. And then I was like, nope, she got it. Yeah, she did it. (laughs) Did it in one. So she says the history of colorism within the black community, especially as it relates to black women is deep and painful. Traditionally, black features like dark skin, big lips, wide noses, and kinky hair have often been used to justify the idea that black people are not beautiful, inferior, or even subhuman. So when things like lip plumping kits, afro tutorials, and dark chocolate self-tanners enter the mainstream, it's easy to understand why emotions might run high. So then she goes on to explain more about, like, the specifics of what went on Mm -hmm. during that controversy. And then she sort of ends the article by saying this. Um, Tanning is a probably... Tanning is probably a widely accepted means of beauty enhancement and an admired beauty practice for lighter-skinned women. But for dark w- women, it isn't so harmless. There are some who would argue that skin lightening or bleaching is no different, and indeed, just as bad as tanning. How dark skin? Bleh, <coughs> how can dark skinned women? Bleh, bleh, how can dark-skinned black women complain about white women tanning when they wear straight blonde weaves or use skin bleach? Right? But skin lightening has often been an act tied to and influenced by the fact that European beauty standards are the ideal. The act of skin bleaching is usually an act of survival and assimilation by those whose natural skin color has been considered undesirable, ugly, and even a hindrance toward upward mobility. A far cry from just another harmless beauty practice. And that's where the outrage comes from. For for the black women who are able to embrace their dark chocolate skin, the black women who had to fight to assert themselves. Um, The black women who had to uh, fight, the the black women who had to fight to assert and celebrate the beauty of their skin in a global society that often tells them it's ugly. Seeing a tanning spray called dark chocolate might feel like a mockery of their struggle. It's almost too easy, too simplistic to merely slap the label of appropriation on this sort of tanning, tanning (laughs) on this sort of tanning. Um, it's almost too easy, too simplistic, to merely slap the label of appropriation on this sort of tanning because it's far more complex than that. The rage that sprang up from Black women in response to this product wasn't blind. It wasn't trivial either, no matter how you feel about tanning. It was a natural gut reaction to centuries of erasure. So I think that's the such an interesting way for her to put it. She's, yeah. not, she's like, I'm not talking about whether it is appropriation and it isn't. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you where these emotions are coming from and why they merit your consideration Mm -hmm. and concern. Um, So yeah, I definitely wanted to include that perspective on tanning into this conversation when we're talking about problems with it and its it's, um, sort of ickiness and (laughs) why it's in society and why people do it. But yeah, I mean, as always, we need to investigate our thoughts and investigate our choices and investigate where both of those things are coming from and the different perspectives other than our own that go into those. Um, even if it's prom night, you guys, even if you're like, but it's a wedding, I have to go to a wedding. Mm. I'm not telling you what choice to make. Yeah. Um, I've gotten a spray tan before. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, it made me, I still look like a white person, but Mm -hmm. like I, you know, after that I read, I read a couple of articles about spray tanning and I was like, I don't think I'm going to make that choice again, Mm. you know? And that's my choice, but we, I'd love to hear what you guys think. I would love to hear um, you know, your takes on this situation, but I definitely, after reading that article and many other articles like it, my opinions have changed. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's tanning beds.
0: That's so interesting. So much in there, right? Yeah, there really is. And I I didn't even like, even if you think about it when it's like, is Ariana Grande too tan and she's appropriate, you know what I mean? You still don't think about it in terms of that, like a visceral emotional reaction. That's so interesting. Yeah. And
1: that probably is the better way to think about it. Not of like, does this fall in the appropriation box or not? But think about, like, okay, if if you were a black woman, how would this make you feel? Yeah. If there was this loaded energy around your skin color, if all of these things have been a part of your life and a part of your respective things that the, you and I have not had to think about, like, yeah. put yourself in those shoes and then, and then think about the situation. Mm-hmm. That's what I think we have to do because... You know, we're never gonna understand what that's like. Yeah. So we owe it to, you know, our community to be like, all right, what does that look what do we think that's actually like? Like to consider it and then to be more empathetic towards Mm -hmm. everyone else. So yeah. Wow.
0: Well thank you. We just gotta think about things. Gotta think about things. And that's why we're here, right?
1: Gotta approach things with empathy, binge. Binge. Unless you're stealing a diamond necklace. In which case, just take the necklace. Just take the necklace. Sell it on the black market. Sell it.
0: And then you and your husband and boyfriend
1: go to a nice lunch. And if you're going to fall out of a hotel window, you probably were just going to do that anyways. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It all worked out. All right. Well, this was fun. This was a blast. Thank you guys so much for listening to us. Send us your, um, stories of things that terrify, horrify, make you crazy, um, at i'm horrified podcast at gmail.com please if you have any ideas for segments we should cover please tweet them at us we really want your it's been a long time since we did a listener suggestion for a segment and they're so fun to do they're so fun so um yeah tweet at us our twitter handle is at i'm horrified pod and until next week we hope you stay horrified stay horrified